Hello, and welcome back to The Librarius. I am your Chief Librarian, Chris Morgan, and this is Episode 5 of the Chief Librarian Podcast. Sorry for the delay on this one. It's been a little crazy over here. The good news is it's been crazy in a good way. There's a lot of stuff to catch you guys up on, some cool announcements about upcoming episodes, some interesting content, and a Librarius first for this episode, a Why I Love episode. Now, a lot of people are used to when a new codex or a new book comes out, everybody and their grandma is talking about the new codex and you get your fair weather players coming out of the woodwork. Love you guys. But you don't always get to hear from the people who just absolutely die hard, never leave, always love their faction. And oftentimes the reasons why they love the faction are just kind of brushed under the rug because everyone's so focused on what are the rules like right now. Well, I wanted to have my own little take on that. And I wanted to do something that was a little bit more akin to the old show of force episodes from the independent characters. I really appreciated those episodes because it wasn't about what was hot at the moment. It was about let's talk to people who really love this faction, ask them why. Talk about more than just the rules, though you will still talk a little bit about the rules. Talk about the history of, of the faction and focus on why people would like to play them. I'm taking my own little twist on that idea and focusing more on the individuals I'm talking to and why they love the faction. And I will still have a lot of the same features where, I mean, we're talking about why I love, why I love the faction. So hopefully it's content you guys enjoy. Now, so far as this episode is concerned, the first why I love is not Blood Angels. Ha 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 You thought I was going to say Blood Angels, didn't you? Oh, don't you worry. We'll get to that. I don't know if I could fit that in one episode. If I did, it would be super long. Well, you're only half wrong, though, because we are still talking about angels here. We're talking about the Dark Angels. That's right. Today's episode is why I love Dark Angels. And I have a couple special guests who are going to come on in two different segments to discuss their love for that faction. Now, I have a bit of an ulterior motive for doing this because it wouldn't be a Dark Angel thing if I didn't have, like, a secret reason for doing something. Those listeners with a keen memory will know that I spoke previously about having a Garviel Loken versus Abaddon diorama that I was getting ready to paint and get done for a friend of mine. Well, that's done, and I'll put some pictures up while I talk to him. But he is coming over, and he is going to be doing one of these segments with me. His name is Ben Gabbert. He helps a lot with the War Games for Warriors. He's been a friend of mine for over a decade now. We've been playing 40K and a few other games over the years. And my friend Ben has always aspired to be an attorney. And he's sacrificed and, and done a lot to get to the point where he was able to go to law school. He traveled out of, out of the state to go to a law school down in the southeast. And now he came back and he's passed the bar and he's got a job as an attorney. And before he left, I made a commitment to him that when he accomplished his goal, that I would paint for him the Abaddon versus Loken duel that is for sale on Forge World, which he purchased. And I used to do commission painting and I've commissioned painted some stuff for him in the past as well. Ben is colorblind. And so you may wonder, well, why would you care so much about paint? And the truth is, he doesn't always but he does support all aspects of the hobby. It's one of the things I admire about him. So despite not being able to enjoy a particular facet of it and having some gripes about, well, I can't really 
you know, I can't really see, I can't really tell what's good or what's bad. He still has put a lot of time and effort and money into supporting all aspects of the hobby. I think that's very admirable, but he was gracious enough to allow me to the end of last month to get it done after he passed the bar and got himself a job. Now, Ben doesn't play Sons of Horus, Traitor, or Loyalist in 30k. He doesn't really play 30k at all, but he was inspired by the story of the Horus Heresy, loved Garville Loken as a character, and I've done some deep digging into Loken's character on my other channel, but obviously lots of good reasons to love that character. He was our initial proxy into the fall of Horus from Grace, and that connection stuck out to Ben. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that when he comes over for the interview and get his thoughts and feelings on it. I'll be officially handing the model over to him so that he can bring it home. But most of the conversation will be about Dark Angels because Ben has been a 100% avid Dark Angels fan for as long as I have known him. And we have teased him relentlessly. There's, I mean, there's always those, haha, you're actually a traitor jokes that go on whenever somebody talks about Dark Angels. And those are fun. But we won't be focusing as much on that. I really want to talk to Ben about what it is about Dark Angels in particular that inspires him, that makes him love playing that army. So that will be our first segment. And the second segment, as some of you may have guessed, will feature Ricky Addington. You may remember Ricky from one of the first episodes of this show where he talked about his custom chapter. And we mentioned in that show that he was a longtime Dark Angels fanboy. And he has a massive Dark Angels collection. So we'll be getting some pictures of his army. I'll be talking to him about why he loves it. And I expect to have a really good time with that conversation. And I hope that you do too. So far as news and other announcements. The other weekend I was at the Las Vegas Team Tournament judging. Thank you to everybody who said hello. And I really appreciated that. The event was a lot of fun. I've always been tempted by team tournament format stuff. I've participated once in the Adepticon team tournament. And that thing is very complicated and convoluted, but it is still quite the pageant, and I really enjoyed doing that. It's always tricky to get a team together to travel very far, but thankfully Vegas isn't too far from where I'm at. Nevertheless, somebody's got to judge the thing, and so I signed up for it. Everyone at the event seemed to have a really good time. I really enjoyed watching the team format play out. People seem to overall enjoy the player place terrain, but we did get some feedback on how terrain's laid out and what different keywords different terrain has. So it was a great learning experience for the organizers, especially for Reese and all the folks at Frontline who always put on a great show. If you are interested in putting a team together, I would definitely recommend that event. It's a very approachable way of doing team tournaments, and it adds this cool little extra layer of strategy to it because you have your captain who's putting forward someone, and the opponent's captain is putting forward someone who thinks he can beat that, or maybe they're holding back. It's a very interesting strategic dynamic with that event, and I would love to participate in one sometime. One of the coolest things about the event was that there were several teams of people who had never been to a tournament before, and out of the people like that who I talked to, they all walked away having had a blast, and that's always encouraging to see. And maybe that's one of the things that makes team tournaments a little bit more accessible too, because if you are getting a group together, you have your friends, you're all probably staying in the same room, you can share some of the travel costs, some of the hotel costs, everything gets a little bit easier. Of course, the hardest part is once everybody commits to keep everybody committed and to maybe have a backup or two in case something falls through. Nevertheless, I definitely encourage people to try the event next year 
if you were on the fence about it this year. Everyone had a great time. It was a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to the next one. Of course, that weekend was the weekend that I usually do recording before an episode drops on Monday, which is why we didn't have an episode for a couple weeks ago. And I was thinking, well, maybe, maybe I'll try and get the episode out in a week and then do the other one on schedule for this week. But it just wasn't going to be possible. And the reason for that is I am getting a house. As you may remember, I am operating out of a closet at the moment. And so now I'm getting a house. So the closet is dead. Long live the new closet, I guess. (laughs) No, I'm really excited and we're going to be moving in the next couple of months and it's going to be a a big step, a big improvement in our quality of life and also puts me a lot closer to my son and that is always a good thing. Speaking of sons and also of hobby progress, I was able to put into practice a little bit of the advice that Lou gave me in some of the discussion that we had about being a parent and having your stuff available. And during the last weekend that my boy was with me, we got out a table and I set up and had room for him. And he did a repaint of his dreadnought from blue to the purple that he wanted to do after the Halloween game that we discussed. So he was there sitting next to me while we were watching something on the TV and he was painting with me and he only stayed for about a half an hour. But I tell you that half an hour my heart was just filled. I'm looking forward to, especially in our new home, where we'll be seeing him more, making some more of those opportunities. And I encourage everybody who participates in the hobby and has important people in their life to find a way to help it be something that is accessible to everyone. And that doesn't mean that you have to make your family enjoy your hobby, but it maybe means just being around them while you do it. I don't know. Everybody's situation is a little different, but The experience that I had made me feel hopeful, so that was good. So I was working on that diorama at the time, but I also was able to start out and do like a little test model for the Grey Knights that I wanted to do. The image I have in my brain, I wasn't quite able to execute very well. I feel pretty confident about the the silver effects. I use the Scale 75 metallic range, the steel set. It's such such a beautiful set of paints. So the silvers are fine. It's the the weapon colors and the lens colors and things I'm still trying to find the perfect balance for. Now, everyone's used to sort of the the light teal or crisp, icy blue color of the Nemesis Force weapons. I thought I would steer away from that for mine and do something a little bit different, going for more of a red-violet glow to it. However, I wasn't terribly happy with how I executed it on the weapon, so I'm going to keep trying at it before I start doing more. I'm just going to paint up another test model, compare the two, strip the weapon if I need to. I can just use some rubbing alcohol. And these are just some of the metal gray knights that I was able to get over the years. So stripping stripping the weapons down with some rubbing alcohol would be really easy. So stay tuned for more progress on that. Though I don't know exactly how much I'm going to be able to get painted because there's a lot of new house stuff that I've got to manage too. But there probably won't be an interruption to the show schedule until we do the, the final move, which is still up in the air at this point, but it's probably not going to be until early December. So in the meantime, hopefully I can still deliver some interesting content for you guys. And let me tell you, I am very excited about the next bit of content coming up, but I'll have some more information about that in the outro. And this intro has already dragged on for quite some time. So without further ado... 
let's hop in to the Librarius for the first of our Why I Love series, starting out with Why I Love Dark Angels. Before we get started with the Why I Love episode, I thought it would be a good idea to do just a general lore summary of who the Dark Angels are, some of their origins, and some of the interesting facts about the chapter. The Dark Angels were the first of the Space Marine Legions. That is why they are the first Legion. They were the first of the Emperor's Adeptus Astartes deployed upon Terra and they would have a lasting impact on the way that the rest of the Adeptus Astartes would wage war. The Imperial, basically, doctrine on combat, the Principia Bellicosa, was based off of the strategies developed by the Dark Angels Legion in the early days of the Great Crusade. With a reputation for bellicose efficiency and precise tactical maneuvers, the Dark Angels distinguished themselves both before and after the discovery of their Primarch, known as the Lion, Lion L. Johnson. The Lion himself is summarized easily by saying, he's extremely competent, but doesn't play well with others, and is very bad at reading people. Always keeping secrets, always having his own way of doing things, the Lion nevertheless distinguished himself as an incredibly capable fighter and commander, to the point where Horace himself was the most pleased about being named Warmaster over the Lion. The Legion itself ended up falling on the side of the Loyalists during the Horus Heresy, ambushed by the Primarch Conrad Kurz and his Legion the Night Lords early on in the Heresy. The Dark Angels were cut off from the rest of the Imperium by the great warp storm known as the Ruin Storm. After a costly victory against the Night Lords and the capture of their Primarch, the Dark Angels joined up with Robute Gilliman in what would become known as Imperium Secundus. Cut off from the Emperor's Light, the Ultramarines, the Dark Angels, and the Blood Angels formed a second empire to stand as a bulwark against the heresy, presuming the Emperor to have already died at the hands of their treacherous brother. When that turned out not to be the case, all three legions made a beeline for Terra, fighting through the demons of the Ruin Storm to come across the other side of the galaxy. Where the Blood Angels made it straight for Terra, and the Ultramarines focused on gathering a large enough army to threaten Horus and break the siege around the throne world, the Dark Angels went on a crusade of vengeance, going to the homeworlds and strongholds of the Traitor Legions, and exacting a terrible toll on what would be the main sources of reinforcements for the Legions. Thinking that this would divert some of Horus's strength, the Lion was hoping to dilute the Warmaster's forces. Unfortunately, the traitors were well beyond caring about their homeworlds at this point. As such, the Lion's forces did not make it to Terra, in time to see the siege thwarted. With the Emperor interred on the frozen throne, his brother Sanguinius dead, and the incalculable tragedy that was the desecration of the throne world, the Lion went on a crusade of vengeance, called the Scouring, along with the remnants of the surviving Loyalist legions, to drive the powers of Chaos and those traitor legions back into the warp. However, not all was well at home on Caliban. 
Caliban, the world where the lion landed after his separation from his father, was a world of monsters and knights. The monsters were warp-influenced creatures, and in his youth before reunification with his father, the lion made it his personal mission to destroy and eliminate all of these monsters from the surface of Caliban. A lush world of dark forests and darker secrets, Caliban was the primary recruiting world for the Legion. In service to those secrets, Lionel Johnson sent his old friend and a former human comrade from the days before the Emperor named Luther to oversee the recruitment of the Legion on Caliban. Putting off his suspicions of Luther's loyalty, the Lion neglected checking up on his old friend while he gallivanted around the galaxy. Luther, a great man in his own right, nevertheless overshadowed by the mighty Primarch, resented being sent back, resented all the secrets, and resolved to take matters into his own hands. Unbeknownst to the Lion, traitorous intent had nestled into the heart of his former homeworld, and after the scouring was over, he returned to find it firmly in the hands of chaos-inspired enemies who used to be friends. After a titanic battle on the world itself, Caliban was destroyed, the Lion was wounded, and Luther was captured, with approximately half of the Legion becoming known as the Fallen, and fleeing to the warp while the remnants of the Dark Angels struggled to pick up the pieces. Some of those pieces they combined and made into their new fortress monastery, known as the Rock. It was an amalgamation of surviving fragments of Caliban turned into a massive floating fortress from which the Legion would operate for the rest of its days. With their Primarch in a catatonic yet stable state, those who survived swore vengeance on the Fallen and swore an oath of secrecy so that the rest of the wider Imperium would never know how close their Legion came to turning their backs on the Emperor. Ostensibly following the Codex Astartes, the Dark Angel's Legion was split into a variety of different chapters with only a select few known as the Inner Circle knowing the deepest, darkest secrets of the chapter from that point going forward. All combats and conflicts from that time forward would be made first in service to keeping the secret and exacting vengeance on the Fallen, torturing them until they confess their wrongs and renounce their evils, while prosecuting campaigns in the service of humanity. The history of the Dark Angels is rife with mysterious engagements, ulterior motives, and deep dark secrets, and there is almost no lengths that they will go to to avoid any outsider, and even some insiders, from discovering the horrible tragedies of their past. In battle, the Dark Angels are arrayed into three primary elements. There's the baseline troopers, who wear a forest green like the forests of Old Caliban. Colloquially called the Green Wing by Dark Angels players, these consist of your baseline tactical squads, Devastator squads, assault squads, and most line vehicles. The first company is known as the Deathwing. Inspired by the Horus Heresy aspect of the Hexagrammaton, or the six principal combat doctrines of the Dark Angels, which were the Deathwing, the Ravenwing, the Dreadwing, the Firewing, the Ironwing, and the Stormwing, the Deathwing consists of the first company veterans. Their armor is painted in a bone white often festooned with feathers and other tribal totems. Their vehicles and land raiders are often also colored in this manner when assigned to transporting units from the Deathwing. The last in the current iteration of 40k Dark Angels are the Ravenwing, 
Inspired by mounted cavalry of old, the Ravenwing are bike-mounted warriors who specialize in quickly hunting, scouting, and apprehending members of the Fallen. Using a variety of fast vehicles such as bikes, attack bikes, hover vehicles, land speeders, etc., the masters of the Ravenwing rush into battle armed with powerful, archaic equipment. Another key theme and unique feature of the Dark Angels is their access to some very unique technology from the beginning of the Great Crusade. Indeed, from that time on, the Dark Angels have had a unique armory with access to forbidden technologies outside of the Adeptus Mechanicus, very little understood by even many of that occult or religion. Aesthetically, the Horus Heresy Dark Angels were wore black armor, often with red and white chevrons, and decorated with red trim and symbols, often carrying items or having helmets decorated with wings, such as the winged hussars from our own history. The Dark Angels had a knightly theme about them, going on quests and having oaths. In the modern fiction, Dark Angels are mostly green, bone white, and black, but otherwise retain many of those earlier symbols. From outside of the game, it is widely considered accepted that Lionel Johnson and the Dark Angels Legion were inspired by a poet named Lionel Johnson who wrote a poem called The Dark Angel, which had themes of duality, of inner conflict, of dark secrets, and evil temptations. While it's never explicitly been said in any of the lore or any interviews with Games Workshop that I was aware of at the time of recording this, the coincidence is a little bit too convenient to ignore. If you like dark green, if you like secrets, inner circles, knights, quests, hunts, redemption, terminators, or very fast black bikes, chances are you'll enjoy playing Dark Angels. Hey everybody, welcome to the first segment of Why I Love Dark Angels. I am still your Chief Librarian, Chris Morgan, and I have here with me Ben Gabbard, our Dark Angels aficionado. Say hello, Ben. Hello. Ben, I'm very happy to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I have an opportunity to talk about, like you said, I love the Dark Angels, and I could talk about them all day. So I get that opportunity, and it makes me so happy. Well, I'm glad it makes you happy, and hopefully the other part of this makes you happy as well. Now, originally we were planning on Ben coming over and doing this interview in person. Unfortunately, life happened, as it always does, and we're doing this remotely, and he'll be coming by briefly at another time, not to record, but to pick up the Abaddon versus Loken diorama that I finished for him. So I am very happy to be able to give this to you and want to once again say congratulations on meeting that long goal you've had of becoming an attorney. Well, thanks. And thank you for painting that. It's one of my favorite that they came out in the Horse Heresy character series. So what what is it about that that drew you to it? It has to be the fact that Loken is, in my opinion, the quintessential space marine. Okay. He, he First of all, he's loyal to the Emperor and to the Imperium to probably a fault. And he's not afraid to stand up and, and fight for what he thinks is right. And going into that battle with Abaddon, he's got power armor, 
a bolt pistol and a chain sword against Terminator armor, power sword, and lightning claws. But he's not going to back down. He he knows he's going to lose this fight, but he knows he has to fight it anyway. And I respect that. I think that is very respectable. And Loken in particular, I don't know if you've seen Ben, but I did sort of a, I've started a deep dive on Loken's character as part of my philosophy series. Just, he's so interesting because you get to take this journey with him. He's this reader's proxy, right? Where we are first introduced to the idea of the crusade and the height of the Imperium's success through him as our lens. And then we get to see him get broken and then come back. Now, have you have you read much of like the Siege of Terra or anything past the first trilogy? Do you know much about Loken's story beyond that? Not after that, with law school being as hectic as it has been, I wasn't able to get into that. But I'm starting to now that I'm done. And that Siege of Terra is where I want to end up. Mm-hmm. But I know they've written a couple more books about Loken that I have wanted to check out. Okay. Well, I can give you a recommended reading list specifically for Loken, if you'd like. And I won't go too much into what happens and and how his character has evolved and changed, because I don't want to take that experience from you with him being like your quintessential space marine. But I'm happy to be able to give this diorama to you. I, I mentioned to the listeners that you have colorblindness or at least partial colorblindness. But to me, it's just wonderful that despite not being able to enjoy that part, of the hobby to the fullest you still support it by commission painting people and having prizes and things do all of the the painting awards and that you are vocally outspoken in support of that aspect of the hobby even though you can't enjoy it i think that's a great attitude for people to have some people don't like to play competitively some people don't like to play narratively but if we can all support each other in making the hobby as good as possible for everybody i think the hobby can will continue to get better and better so Thank you for being a, a representative of that philosophy, Ben. Uh, my pleasure. If I, my opinion on that has changed over time, as you know, but the fact that I can't enjoy the pretty colors doesn't mean other people can't. And gray plastic, maybe it's great in the basement when you're trying something out, but when you're at an event, it, it looks really nice looking out across the table and just seeing painted armies. Doesn't have to be great. Doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to, you know, put some paint down and it really helps bring the game together i think yeah very immersive that way really lets you engage and it's kind of a sign of respect to your opponent as well to see to to be like you know i cared enough about your experience that i put at least the you know the battle ready standard into my models for you and i I mean i do it for me mostly but it ends up benefiting others as well who enjoy destroying my beautiful things and teasing me about it later (laughs) but uh with that out of the way Ben, I want to talk to you about why you love Dark Angels. If you wouldn't mind, introduce everybody to how you were first acquainted with Dark Angels and what was it that hooked you in the beginning and kept you going there? I started playing the game in third edition. A friend of mine just bought me a squad of a tactical squad and I just looked at it and said, this is cool. What, what do we do next? My next unit was Terminators. And I fell in love with Terminators at that point. Down the road, as I was building my collection, I got into bikes and I realized just how cool bikes and Terminators were. Marines are are okay, but for me, I just had the most fun putting bikes and Terminators on the table. 
and I, I went through a period of inactivity, nobody to play with. And then I started playing with you and, and your group. And they, as I was playing more consistently, I wanted to build a story. You had told me your story. I, I knew that other people kind of had that background and I wanted to build my own to kind of feel the connection. But the vanilla Space Marine just didn't do it for me. I went through where I thought maybe I wanted to be a loyalist Death Guard. But as I read more about Death Guard, it kind of turned me off. I really respected Garrow and that kind of was why I went that direction. But it just, it didn't, it didn't stick with me. And so I started, I found out there were other codexes other than Vanilla Marine. So I started checking them out and saw that the Dark Angels let me play as Terminators and Bikes as troops, which let me have just a full, full contingent of Terminators. And that idea just stuck with me. And that's kind of what got the hook into me. But then I started reading the lore and the story. And that's really what got me hooked is this idea of, the warrior monk, the secret agenda, don't let people see your weaknesses. We're not going to take one step backwards. We're going to meet our, our goal. We're going to do what we need to do. And that really stuck with me because that's, that's how I am as a, as a person. I don't, I don't put my heart out on my sleeve very often. I, I keep a lot of things in my own life close to the chest. I've been hurt in my life before and and so I get where they're coming from, that there's things in your past that you don't necessarily want anybody to know about, but you can't ignore it. You want to fix it. You want to improve, but you're worried how people are going to look at you, that this has been a problem for you. And that really stuck. With me. That's interesting because the, the warrior monk idea, and we say this right as like Black Templar pre-orders are going live, but Black Templars have that sort of warrior monk crusader theme to them as well, but it's less with with. Black Templars, their whole thing is about vengeance and zeal, whereas yours and the Dark Angels is more about retribution from a, a, a point of humility and a redemption. I mean, what's what was that terrain piece called? The Fortress of Redemption, I believe is what it was called, that had the, yeah. the Dark Angels symbol on the on the tower. I need to get me one of those. But the, but the whole idea was we are going to make up for our mistake. And while there is something, I guess, not, not as admirable than facing it up front. I mean, my blood angels have that problem as well, where we don't, we don't tell anybody about the black rage. People just kind of find out about it. Uh, But uh, the, the dark angels themselves are interested in redeeming their legacy, which involves improvement and change. Whereas the black Templars on the flip side of that coin they don't feel the need to change at all. They don't feel sorry for anything they do because they feel perfectly justified in doing it. And they don't feel feel bad about anything that they do in the name of the emperor because their zeal just kind of makes up for that moral quandary. What do you think about that? I think that sounds a lot like the Night Lords and Kurz's justification for his bad acts. The emperor made me this way. So I'm just going to keep doing these evil things because this is what he wants me to do. I'm not a fan. Not a fan of that. <laughs> I am a fan of the the aesthetic for both. And the the main thing with that is I love the robes and I love the tabards and things. I think that's all very cool. So yes. you, you talked about reading Dark Angels stories and the lore kind of sticking out to you. So what was your favorite Dark Angel story? What was the story that when you read it, you thought, okay, I get that. 
this is this is something that resonates with me. It started with Descent of Angels. I read through Descent of Angels and the coming of the lion and the building of the lion from leader of the order to now becoming Primarch. And that that resonated with me. That's kind of a difficult question because every Dark Angel story I've read has just made me get excited about the next one. But probably the ultimate favorite has to be Fallen Angels. Sure, yeah. It it really gets into and and similar to why I love the Dark Angels a lot is it it goes into the weakness of the lion and it's a very short bit at the end his interaction with Perturabo, but you realize through the the lore that the lion his weakness is he doesn't know who to trust. He can't read people. He can predict what you're going to do probably better than you could. And he can plan and he's a tactical genius in that way, but he can't read and understand people and see deception that's staring right in his face. And I feel the same way. I Part of the reason that I don't put my heart out on my sleeve very often is because I don't know who to trust. And so that seeing that as his weakness just made me feel for him. And they really, again, it's a short, but such a deep moment. And also um, when he's talking to uh, Nemiel and he asked Nemiel, who do you think we should trust Megasar Troy? And Nemiel's just like, what? You're, you're the Primark. What are you asking me this for? And it's that moment of weakness where he actually exposes, I don't actually know what's going on here, right? That's interesting. And I, I like that you're bringing a lot of the personal connection here because that's sort of the stuff that I wanted to emphasize the most was this is why you love this faction and you have this very deep personal connection with that in mind. Like who is your favorite dark angel character? Is it the lion that you relate to the most based on what you just said? Or do you have someone from more modern 40 K lore who you can kind of point to and be like, no, that's me. That's me. I haven't had the opportunity to read a lot of the modern 40 K lore. So I can't really talk about those characters that much. Lion is a close second, but actually my favorite character is Holguin. Tell me a little bit about that character and why it's your favorite. In the Horus Heresy, Holguin was the leader of the Deathwing. And he, we don't really know where he's from, whether he's Terranborn or Caliban born. But before the Lion came, we get this impression that he's he's the the dark and brooding character in the background. But after the Lion shows up, he actually kind of retreats a little bit more into himself. I read that as meaning he's kind of nervous about being in the lion's shadow, but he does kind of like the way Luther does, that Luther doesn't like being in the lion's shadow, and neither does Holguin, but Holguin handles it better. He takes it as a humbling moment of, I don't like this, but I got to get used to it because I'm I'm loyal to this guy, and Luther just throws a tantrum. But he's he's strong, he's brilliant, that interaction he has with Gilliman on McCrag, where he talks about the plan and how they they need to go forward with this with this plan because it's the best way to do it. And the lion is just so proud of him for talking that way to a Primarch. He's got his opinion, and if he's asked for it, he'll give it. And if he's not, he's just going to keep that to himself and and do his duty. And I just really like that. So there's this dutiful act. Uh aspect to him and this like acknowledging of his own weaknesses but at the same time 
being able to say no and stand his ground when it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I, to bring the personal back into it, that's how I've, I've been at work a lot. Uh, I did before law school, I did a lot of work as a paralegal and having to do what the lawyer said, even though I disagreed was sometimes difficult, but I never, I never shied away from telling them, I think this is why we should do it. And this is why I disagree with this course of action. And I got lucky. I worked with a lot of people who, unlike the lion, were willing to listen and explain this is why it needs to be done. And even if I didn't get it, I still did it their way because I recognized that authority. But I could at least sleep at night knowing that I stood my ground, I said my piece, and that was the only choice that I had. I had done that. I had done everything I could to do what I thought was right. And then it got done the way they said and I was okay with that because at least I took that time to stand my ground and give my point of view, but I can't later you know, yell and scream and say, I'm not going to do this. It's wrong. I recognize my place and I see a lot of that in Holguin too. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate you explaining that. We've talked so much about 30K characters and 30K Dark Angels, but I don't believe I've ever seen you play the Horus Heresy games. Is that something that you're interested in? Is that something that you want you would want to like expand your collection to include, or how are your feelings on that? I actually am expanding my 30k collection. I've got a, a local painter in the area has a marines for me, and a unit of the Cenobium and a unit of the Deathwing companions that I'm that I'm adding that the only reason I have jumped into 30 K is because I really didn't like seventh edition rules. And I look through the rules for the dark angels and it's just PTSD from seventh ed. I really didn't like seventh edition. And so that's been the one thing that's kept me out, but I, I do like the aesthetic and I do like the army. So I'm going to build it out. And if they make changes to the rules, that I feel like I can play, it's definitely something I want to jump into. I'm sure that there's plenty of people who have feelings one way or the other about that. I Personally, for 30K, I find the rules to be just fine because of the nature of the other armies in the game. Generally speaking, I've had a great time working within that rule set through the Horus Heresy, though there have been a couple... There are a couple things about like the newer 40K rules that I like. I, I think it's fairly silly, for example, that you can only charge the unit that you shoot at that seems kind of weird uh, it doesn't yeah. seem very space marine -y. i wonder how that would play out in a 30k battlefield but that's a small gripe on my part it i'm i'm glad that you are finding new things though new models and and are considering new ways to enjoy it though because really that's what it comes down to if you're not having fun with it not really much point in continuing it right yeah and i'd left out actually very unfortunately um, that same painter did paint up the lion for me. So I do have the lion on my shelf. I could not wait. I was there pre-order day as soon as it dropped getting that ordered. So I've got my lion on my shelf and he looks beautiful. Oh, I, I can relate. I was the same way with Sanguinius down to the point where I like, I tracked down the guy who was bringing the Forge World booth to the LVO where Sanguinius would be for sale first and was like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm the biggest fan. I, I need a copy of this. Can you just please make sure you set it aside? Because I'm going to be judging and I can't wait in the line. And they were kind enough to do that for me. 
when you really love a character and when you really like you've been waiting so long for something you just i need it i need it yes yes i probably spent more than i should at that time but my wife understood that this is just i've been waiting for this guy for years so i i get where you're coming from uh, he, he has an excellent model and the nice thing about that that base size that he's on even though he's kind of a big guy for 40k that base size is about the base size of a primaris captain right from the indominus set same base size i'd let you use it i actually did uh at the tournament that it got delivered to me i put him in as belial that game and it it made me happy i haven't done it since because i'm more worried about dropping him and ruining him but yes putting him on the table and using him it just felt right i'm glad so with that in mind what is your favorite piece of dark angels art what's the piece of art that you look at that you think this is quintessential dark angel for me there's a picture i found of looks like 30k marines have got jump packs on they've got their swords they're just hulking they've got their hoods it's got the green Caliban in the background and I think that just really captures the essence that, again, it's got that warrior monk aesthetic, but also that dark and brooding, I'm coming for you and you're not going to escape me kind of feel to it. Yeah, it's very menacing. There's certainly nothing passive about it. And if you look at the way, if you look at the color palette, that it's very much got the greens in it. I know you can't appreciate that as much as some of the rest of us. But it does have this very dark color palette to it. The armor is black with very, very sort of, uh, I would say, a half black, half red mix of, of red highlights on some of the shoulder icons and things. The eyes, one of the, one of the biggest things when you're looking at an image of a person is that you are naturally drawn to the eyes. But here, the eyes are obscured by the hoods, which... You know, symbolically, it's like, hey, this is, you don't know this person's intent because you can't see. And, and it's interesting because the, you do this, they do this with infants too, where they're studying you know, the psychology of infants and development and things like that. And generally speaking, they will like to look towards what you're looking as they, as they develop. And so if you can't see what somebody's looking at, you can't really trust them. And that's, I think, what this piece is starting to convey. Now, the, the blades themselves, the power fields are this very foresty green that kind of matches the background tones. And then if you look at the posture, the guy in the front has his legs spread, is at least facing in your direction with his, with his head, even though you can't really see exactly what he's looking at. The one behind him, he has this sort of looming, bent over, I'm about to pounce look to him, which is very lion to me i don't know lionel johnson it looks like he's about to pounce but i'll put this photo up you guys may have already seen it as we've been talking about it but i'll be putting this up on the video version on youtube so you can kind of look at it with us you can kind of see that it stays very much in that dark and dark green color tone with only small areas of like gold or red that are really minor and just serve to accentuate just the overall darker palette on this piece I love everything you just said. That is that is 100% on point. <laughs> People talk about art being subjective, but there are sometimes deliberate things that artists do to convey a kind of meaning. And people can kind of extrapolate whatever they want, but there are 
general like themes that you can pick up on and i think that that's what this one does now it is interesting to me that you pick units with jump packs instead of units on bikes or or the terminators but then at the same time you you pick something that has a heresy color palette to it where the heresy dark angels had black armor instead of green armor and without really being able to see it you kind of pick that out on your own and i think that's very interesting so hmm i'm onto something with you ben but uh thank you for sharing that so going on you know going away from just like the themes of the army and the different sorts of things that you can like about it in that respect let's talk about i'm going to call it a toxic relationship moment it's this there's this thing about your favorite army that always is going to bother you and and you you do this with people you love in real life too it's like well i'm not leaving you but this drives me crazy so what is your what is your i i hate x about them but i'm never leaving them thing for dark angels on the one hand i appreciate their need to keep their secret on the other the less they'll go to to keep that secret just don't sit right with me we all know about the unit of primaris marines that allegedly went missing when they got too close there's just there's a lot of history with especially the 40k marines and their their need to keep the secret and the lengths they'll go to to do it sometimes border on traitorous uh, the psychic awakening ritual of the dam story where azrael is considering do i want to just abandon these gray knights do i want to let this whole magnus plot happen because going next to a group of psychers what if what if they read our minds and find out that this is a big concern for him and ultimately he decides to go to the aid of the gray knights but his reason for it isn't because it's the right thing to do he realizes oh yeah we can send some Deathwing and Ravenwing to find out how much they actually know. That's that's not the right reason to be doing this. You you need to be going and doing it because it's what's best for the Imperium, what it's best for humanity, what's best for even your own legion. Magnus getting off this ritual is not going to be good for anybody. But no, Azrael's decision is we're going to go help so that we can find out how much they know. I can see why that would uh, why that would bother you. <laughs> it just it doesn't seem honorable it seems really i don't think the lion would disapprove um he has that he has that secret agenda to himself and there's even that moment i i cannot for the life of me remember which book it is i want to say it's in fallen angels um but or it's angels of caliban but he's talking to the watcher in the dark and he first has plans to go back to caliban to check on things and then something comes up and he tells the watcher in the dark no i'm I'm going to do what I have to do, and I'm going to do this secret agenda that I've told nobody about, even if it costs me my legion. And that, I think, goes a little bit too far, that he's more interested in what's best for him. And then going forward to the 40K Marines, they're more interested in doing what's best for them, that they're, at least for a moment, considering being willing to let humanity suffer just to protect themselves. And I just can't support it. I feel yeah, and it's. I think that's part of the sort of manufactured darkness that all of Warhammer fiction tends to have. Yeah, and that's something that, unfortunately, you know, so far as the official canon is concerned, it's going to be very difficult to get away from. But 
at the same time, those flaws are the same things that make some of these characters compelling. I always find these sorts of stories in novels a bit more compelling than the codex or the rule book narrative stuff, because really mm -hmm. all they can do in that is speak broadly with a bright, you know, with a wide brush on a concept is that it's not Asriel having a conversation with someone and debating the merits of something. It's just Asriel just, you know, someone describing you to you that Asriel decided to do this for this reason. And it loses a lot of the nuance. And it's one of those things that can make that sort of rule book narrative fall flat and not really shine out as a, as a glorious moment that's, that sells the chapter's strengths while highlighting some of the weaknesses. That's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah, I get that. And I've been told uh, a very good friend of mine who's also very into Dark Angels has read through the 40K series, and he says they're amazing. So I'm really looking forward to picking up those books and getting them behind me because I think it goes into a lot of that, like you mentioned, that nuance and that, yeah, what are, what are we really going to do uh, better than... And, the limitations of the codex is they can't really go into that kind of detail. Otherwise the codex is going to be, you know, 400 pages and we can't, we can't have that in a codex. So I am looking forward to, to digging into the modern dark angels and seeing just a bit more of that detail. Personally, I wish we could have that in a codex. I would totally, that would totally justify a $50 purchase on my, on my part. <laughs> well, that's fair. That being said, I think that uh, that's a pretty good, toxic relationship feature for dark angels to talk about we'll we'll take a moment and we'll just uh kind of have a moment of silence for all of the you're actually a traitor memes out there so it's just a moment of silence okay i hope everybody out there got that out of their system yes we've acknowledged it it's a thing but let's not bog down the show with it <laughs> true but like you said and it's very clever in my opinion there's two kinds of dark angels. There are traitor angels and there's loyal angels. And as the as the creator of my chapter, I've decided they're loyal. And that's how I know they're loyal is because I created them. That kind of confidence is important to have. I'm sure that it pays off well with the Inquisition. Absolutely. <laughs> now, one of the things I just kind of want to highlight from my gaming experience with you, Ben, is some of the ways that you've brought the narrative to the tabletop when we were sort of in the beginning when you were doing your i like marines but i also like dark angels but i also like other armies like space wolves and things one of the things that i liked the best was that before a game started where you had an allied force of space wolves with your dark angels is you rolled out a duel between the two armies HQ characters. I think it was the Master of the Deathwing against uh, Yal Stormcaller, and you had them duke it out before we started playing the game to see who was in charge in honor of that famous fight between Lehman Russ and the and the and the Lion. I thought that that was pretty fun, uh, and it's interesting because that's now I think there is something actually in both of those codexes for that. Is that is that right? I think so. Yeah, I believe that's in there. Um, they also kind of brought it to bear in the Horus Heresy, I want to say Unremembered Empire, when the lion first shows up, and the wolves like, rawr, and then the lion's like, are we really going to do this? It's like, I, I have to for honor, and the lion just punches him in the face, and it's over. But it's 
that I was read funny. about that and thought this is the coolest thing in the world. I had brought that joint force, and then I read that and was like, this has to happen. This, <laughs> is... but the, I, I like I alluded to earlier, that's the kind of thing that you guys inspired me to do. You guys had that story behind your stuff especially you that i wanted to build that and that was one way that i could was to to bring in these narrative elements and really feel like a part of the group well we're glad to have you as part of the group and i do really think that that enriched the game experience not just for you but for for me as especially that moment though i've i've got to i've got to pipe in about that moment where it's it's from gilliman's perspective and the space wolves just kind of saunter up to the lion. The wolves challenge one of the dark angels to a duel. And the lion steps up and is like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it against me. And the, the space wolf character just kind of is like, really? You're going to make me do this to a Primarch? Really? And the lion's like, yep, because I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then Gilliman's watching and this perfectly relaxed space wolf just suddenly lunges into this attack. And in his in his mind's eye, he's he's thinking like, I don't know if I could have stopped that attack, but the lion catches it, you know, catches the blade, and then punches the space wolf in the face. And it's just sort of a little like, I'm intimidated by my big brother a little bit moment for Gilliman, and that was just delicious to read about. Yes, good moment. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk about games a little bit then. We, we just mentioned that you rolled the dice for the duel before games. Tell me a memorable moment with your Dark Angels where you really felt like you got to play into that fantasy. I think it was that same game that we played. This is not the favorite. It's just that you reminded me of it where my sergeant with the plasma pistol shot at your storm Raven as it flew over and he, he prayed to the emperor and immobilized the storm Raven and really made your life more difficult. Just one lucky shot with a plasma pistol and you still ended up wiping me out and winning the game. But, I at least made it more difficult and that faith in the emperor in that game, I will never forget that moment, but probably <laughs> my absolute favorite game where I, I think I dug into the dark angels was a narrative campaign. I was playing where I had developed a sergeant. He was a latent psyker. I'm still developing his, his backstory, but in essence, he had an encounter with an Eldar Farseer who originally wanted to to kill him for finding out that the Eldar were on this planet, but then looking at the rooms of fate decided, no, this guy's important. He's actually going to end up saving a lot of Eldar in the future. So we're just going to kind of block out his memory of this happening, which actually ended up inadvertently blocking his psychic potential. So one in, in the middle of a very intense battle, that that wall kind of breaks free and he these psychic powers um, manifest themselves and so he's developing himself as a as a psyker with of course the gray knights and the inquisition there being like wait what the crap just happened now now this guy's a psyker and it kind of goes into we in that story went through that then he got and we actually rolled this out. We didn't know what was going to happen into this story. And he had a duel with a Blood Angels character who actually won the duel and mortally wounded my character. So the next battle was where we invaded their base 
and just before anyone starts yelling traitor he had fallen to corn so there was a reason we were fighting this wasn't me i wasn't the blood angel player in this instance so it was not but actually you mentioned the black rage before and the reason he had fallen to corn is because his two favored the the captain's two favorite lieutenants fell to the black rage in front of an inquisitor and the spirit of corn whispered to this i can save them you just have to pledge loyalty to me and the inquisitor was getting ready to shoot them in the head and instead he reached out with his power fist and squished the inquisitor's head and it was it was you know down down the hill to chaos from there but to save the librarian's life my troops launched a a faint attack on his on his base drew all of his troops out and then a unit of terminators teleported into the base stole a uh, librarian dreadnought suit and teleported out and then he my librarian got put into the suit and now my chapter's chief librarian is a dreadnought uh, but that but he didn't my my friend didn't know i was going to do that um so that whole faint and i he didn't know my secret intent that game really brought out that that this is what the dark angels do is they they come in they distract you they get what they want and then they teleport and then whether win or lose they at least met their their ultimate goal and then there was a tournament where along the same line my my deathwing were not doing well against the silent king but one particular deathwing it was in the command squad he tanked 14 out of 16 hits from the silent king and those you know last hits kind of killed him but he he rolled on that storm shield 14 times i rezzed him with my uh apothecary in the next turn he took 16 out of 18 just this one guy the dice would not fail me with this guy till the very end and so i actually took him i took a page out of lou rollins book and i took him home he got a new storm shield a new paint job and he he is now named after that guy that i played because that just that i am not going to let this he was the last the second time he was the last guy in the unit and the first time he was uh one of three that were left so just that whole i am not gonna let you pass this line i don't care and that many saves on a four plus is ridiculous yeah that's so pretty wild enough. mr magic dice oh don't even get me started <laughs> remember that one game where <laughs> i had five heavy weapons shooting overwatch in seventh ed I hit on a six with all five and rolled a one to wound on all five. That was uh that was a very bipolar moment. That that was an incredibly bipolar moment. Six to one, six one, six one. <laughs> oh man, but I still I still also do remember that time that you killed Mephiston with an Overwatch shot. Yes. Overwatch wasn't it a plasma pistol again? Yeah, you and those friggin' plasma pistols need to calm down. Or, or I need to keep using it. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think those are some awesome stories. And it's really cool to see 
how much you've embraced your passion here. And I appreciate you sharing that with me for this segment. I'd like to, before we sign off, I just want to hear your favorite model or favorite unit from the Dark Angels. And then any last things you'd like to say uh, to, say, somebody who's interested in playing the faction and the things that you would encourage them to engage with. Favorite unit has to be the Deathwing Knights. Their aesthetic is just gorgeous. Those shields are so beautiful. But on the table, they're also mean. You know, they're hitting on twos. They've got thunder hammers that don't that don't have the minus one to hit. The flail that the sergeant has, it's got the wounds. You don't lose wounds. So you get hit base two two damage. So if you're going up against a large unit of like gene stealers, I think at one tournament I took him alone the rest of the unit had died i took him alone into a unit of 10 gaunts and killed eight of them with just him because that two damage is if you can hit and you can wound that two damage spreading out against one model is just so strong and their 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 story is also really nice they're the they're second only in the inner circle to captains, the masters, the, the company masters. They are so deep and so dedicated to pursuing the fallen that they are just so scary and dangerous and loyal. And I just love them. They're, they're amazing. As for anyone who might want to pick up Dark Angels, I highly recommend their rules are in a good place right now they're balanced the the not being able to wound on a four plus the permanent transhuman it is strong i play a deathwing all deathwing uh, list right now and i'm not winning any tournaments because it's it, like i said it's balanced it's really strong but those models are expensive and it's really difficult to claim objective is when you have so few models on the table but it's so much fun that i don't care that i keep losing the raven wing is they're in a good place right now too with their permanent well almost permanent invulnerable save they're so dang fast and samuel is a beast that guy now that he can shoot and not worry about uh the minus one to hit and he's finally got a math crafted plasma cannon which just is finally his plasma cannon is worth it and then even the green wing that if you stand still you get the plus one to hit that comes in place so often and it is just for that that Azrael castle or even just me with the secondaries and my favorite secondary is the stubborn defiance where i just sit on an objective and the more command phases i have it the more points i get I pop a unit of Terminators on that with a Cyclone Missile Launcher, and I'm hitting with two missiles on twos and gaining points every turn. And because I've got Storm Shields, they're really hard to kill. It's They're in a good place right now. No matter what way you want to go, Deathwing, Ravenwing, Greenwing, or a combination, we're in a really good place. And the models, the models are, are just beautiful. I recommend going with Hoods. Because that hooded look is just my favorite. It's so iconic. 
it really is and if you're good with green stuff you can you can get hoods on everything uh there's also something to be said about normal dudes being normal their their veteran squads are just really really detailed and look look really nice as well so if you're into that hooded tabard the the robes if you're into that kind of aesthetic or if you like bikes and terminators i think they're the only armory that can bring nothing but well i guess with vanguard you can with vanguard detachments you can bring anything anytime but they get special rules that give their terminator units or their bike units objective secured if you bring it in the right detachment and that is invaluable in the game so like i said their their rules are in a really good place they're fun to play they're strong but not overpowered and the aesthetic is great so definitely jump into it awesome well thank you ben for giving me your thoughts and sharing your passion for the dark angels on today's show and i wish you luck in all of your games and all of your hobbying i hope you enjoy the diorama and i look forward to handing that off to you tomorrow stay cool my friend and same to you thanks for having me it was a good time luck tonight buddy yeah tough new hotness more like it <laughs> sure pal same time next week sure see ya <sighs> what am i gonna do about the new hotness commando we need to talk yeah kato sicarius no it is i robute gilliman and we need to talk about your performance tonight Ah, oh, come on robute He's playing the new hotness. What can I do? Well, the Codex says to use the terrain to your advantage, not leaving your whole army set up in the open. But, Rabute, the best I can do is this packing styrofoam that came with my dad's TV. Heresy! You can do better than that. Buy some MDF terrain from Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming? Isn't that that company run by the guy who sounds like he has strep throat all the time? Hey, bro, not cool. Silence! Don't get distracted. This is how you forgot to bring in your reserves. But, Rabute, I don't even know what MDF means. It's woodcut with lasguns or something. It's not important. It's quality, durable terrain made for all modes of play with different themes like desert, ruined city, industrial, aliens, and more. But I hate painting terrain. It's boring. Never fear. Frontline Gaming has painting services as well. You're right, Lord Gilliman. I should order some. But how do I do that? Where do I start? Go to www.frontlinegaming.org to find out more about terrain, miniatures, painting services, hobby articles, and events. Gee, thanks, Rabute. Any more advice for your loyal force commander? Not now, commander. I have to go back and check on Marnius. Last time I was gone this long, the 500 worlds became the 375. Go ahead and check out www.frontlinegaming.org.
Tell them the Chief Librarian sent you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to this Why I Love Dark Angels episode. And I have here again for the second time, Ricky Addington. Say hello, Ricky. I'm back. He's back. He didn't screw up bad enough the first time. Give him another I chance. I was going to say, I was like, I, I, you know, I must have not botched it badly enough the last time. So, well, we'll, we'll go for uh, we'll go for uh, invite number three. So we'll try to try to be well behaved today as well. We just need to call all of these uh, Ricky segments redemption segments, like Fortress of Redemption, Ricky Redemption, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, we're here to talk about Dark Angels, and Ricky, I remember. The first time we met when we were at Depticon, uh -huh. I saw your Dark Angels army and was very impressed. And whenever we were on Forge Narrative together, you were always talking about Dark Angels this, Dark Angels that. And we mentioned in the last interview that that was sort of your main army before you started your crusade stuff. But I yeah. wanted to take the opportunity and interview you as a prolific Dark Angels player about some of the things that you like about the faction. What is it that, you know, what is it that drives you to it? That's what we're here to do today. Yeah, I, I think first, though, we do need to establish that they are the best angels, right? Like, out of the two, the main ones out there, the Dark Angels are are the best angels. I think I think we can both agree on that, right? I think we're off to a very bad start. <laughs> <laughs> this got very confrontational and has taken a turn immediately out of the gate <laughs> yeah this is this is where you see like the tom hardy gif from uh mad max that's bait that's bait, bait. yeah i think oh, i think half of our friendship has been built upon us arguing over which angel uh red or green was better i think is uh so i will never give up saying dark angels are better but i will concede <laughs> that your primark is cooler so all right well you know i i can definitely <laughs> agree on that second point and uh <laughs> no, I'm I'm more than happy. I mean that's that's the enthusiasm that made me want to invite you on to talk about this because I want I want people to know and feel that sort of excitement and dedication that comes from people who aren't just fair weather players of their faction. In fact, you're kind of an anti fair weather player because you're they're they're on fire right now and you're just kind of like, eh. I'm... I had to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, Chris. It's just always been the way I've been. Is I there? There to me, there's just always something really rewarding. There, there was something special about when you go to an event and you pull your army out, and somebody's like, "Oh, you're playing them. Oh, cool." You know, uh, you know, and and it, that's the way it used to be with Dark Angels. You know, uh, and I've you've felt that way with Blood Angels too. But it's you know when your when your army isn't you know the hotness it makes you take more pride in it. You know, there's something about it. It's, it, it's you making that statement. This, this is who I am. I am a dark angels player through and through. Right. And so it's like yeah. when, when everybody's playing your army, it's like, ah, you know, may, maybe now I can take a break. You know, they're, they're represented enough. They don't need me keeping it alive. Sure. Sure. Well, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's go back in time to when Ricky was, was baby Ricky in 40 K. And oh, man. what what was it about Dark Angels in particular that that you looked at it and you're like, OK, that's me. What What, what is your what is your origin story? <laughs> you you want brutal honesty. Uh, so here's here's 14 year old Ricky got the was it the second edition? Uh, I remember the second edition box. I think that was the one that had I think it was the Blood Angels on the cover with the big giant like hazard strap power fist. 
I got that and, you know, I put them together and everything like you do. You go put them all together. And um, I didn't I didn't know anything about any of it. I didn't have any friends that played 40K. So, you know, like anytime you get your buddy and you're telling them all this stuff, we didn't have that. We didn't. My brother and I didn't have really any idea other than when we went to the comic book store, they had a few of the models in a display case. And that just it always uh, just captured my attention and my imagination so we we bought the game and honestly like it, it boiled down to i had a little i can't remember if it was on the back of a a, a gita a citadel catalog or if it came in the box or something but there was a little there was a little booklet in there and it had different color schemes for some of the chapters and i just I just randomly picked the green ones, the green ones with the red on them. That looked cool. I was like, okay, that looks easy to paint. I can, I can probably do that. And so it, it, it was just like pure fate that I picked the dark angels. It was never, it was never this conscious decision based off of the lore and all of that stuff that I chose them. So a legend was born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I got the I got the codex, the um the Angels of Death Codex. You remember the one that had Blood Angels and Dark Angels? Oh yeah. Combined? I got a copy yeah. of and that's when I started reading it reading that and the history of them and stuff. And I was like, Oh yes, like this is this is it. These guys are awesome. And so that's that's where I that's where I got started with them was just they looked easy to paint and and so when I when I started I, I'd kind of already settled on them, and then I just started from there uh, learning about them and everything. And the, just the more I learned about them, the cooler they were. And so I've just been I've just been a Dark Angels fanboy for well at this point what math twenty twenty six years. I oh, think I've bad. been just kind of geeking out with Dark Angels. Uh, and, and I'm sure I mean that was around the same time that I was doing the same thing with the Blood Angels. So I mean it was just the Angels of Death balancing itself out across there you go, across yeah. the United States. <laughs> just need need a little bit of red, a little bit of green. Christmas was happy, all of that good stuff. Yeah, the red uh, and green. It always ends up <laughs> Christmas themed. Yeah, yeah. I, I I run into that problem a lot with my friend Ben, who was in the first segment where like if we if we were playing a team game and we had both of our armies on the table. It was like the the battle for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> but put little Santa hats on them. Well, and so few of us, right? Like understand the themes and the the origins. Like like think of Dark Angels Primarch Lion L Johnson is a pun on Lionel Johnson. Like nobody yeah. really knows and nobody cares. And at this point, we just kind of accept that Lion L Johnson is this just really gritty thirty k Primarch character, and and the joke that comes from behind his name is is lost on everybody but the two characters are not the same the two people are not the same not by any stretch of the imagination yeah probably not i i, I honestly think it was just you know somebody's like we need to come up with a name and they i, I mean this was before google right so sure. you know it was just some writer probably looking up dark angels or something so uh <laughs> but and, and you know like oh well uh here this poet wrote the dark angel and let's let's use that so <laughs> who knows who knows how you know but i would i would love to see that you know that's if that's how he got it i mean it's too coincidental for it not to be yeah uh, related right yeah i i think that if that's if that's coincidence then really coincidence is just another word for fate 
but you know what it was you know what it was his teacher probably made him read this poem and <laughs> oh, so it's just resentment for <laughs> yeah yeah so that's what it is he's pissed off about it and so he makes these whole brooding entire chapter of brooding dudes just to just to be cathartic i guess and, and work Oof. it out of his system and that's a that's some next level spite that totally went out of that creator's control <laughs> so and now he's got to hear it in you know uh, <laughs> for for time immemorial now he's, he's going to hear it in, in perpetuity so with that in mind we we kind of know the the baby ricky origin story and you said you started reading the codex and you're like all right these guys are cool you know i can really get behind this like what was your favorite dark angel story or what is your favorite dark angel story because obviously since that second edition book there's been so much more that's happened since then. Yeah, like it. There, I mean, there's 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 been so much come out. But honestly, like um, you, you know more about the Dark Angels in Horus Heresy than I do because I never really got into them during the Heresy. I was I was busy learning, you know, reading about other chapters that I had never been interested in before, you know. But the thing that always got me uh, interested in the Dark Angels and the thing I loved about them was the the mystery. You know, like the the this secret shame that they're carrying, you know, all of these stories that you read. I honestly liked the short stories, these little short form stories here and there more than any of the bigger stuff, because it always just gave you a taste that there was something more going on or that there was this secret that they had to protect. And the more that you learned about, you know, the fact that, you know, that that uh, Luther and, and, you know, half these guys uh, turning traitor and stuff, the, the more you learn about that, you kind of there was something just that it drew you in. It made it feel like you were in on the secret, you know. Uh-huh. So so every time I read something about that where you just get some little nugget, uh, that's that's what always just kind of draws me in. It's never these big, giant books about, uh, you know, them fighting this big battle against somebody. Because like that to me isn't what is interesting about the Dark Angels. One of my favorite, one of my favorite things uh, about the Dark Angels, one of my favorite stories, was just a little blurb talking about when when Gilliman returns and shows up with the Dark Angels Primaris Marines. There's a moment where the Dark Angels think think it's up, like like they've been caught, right? <laughs> and and so they're they're sitting there thinking. Do we fire? Do we shoot? Do we shoot? Are we caught? Is this is this us being, uh, you know, exterminated? And and so th- that is just so cool that these guys are like living with this like s- this secret that is so dangerous that no one can know it. That if anybody knew it, you know, the Imperium would would have to deal with them. And so just the idea that. Here's Gilliman, you know, a Primarch has returned and they're sitting here thinking, oh, crap. You know, it's like it's like your dad coming home while you're throwing a party. Right. So uh, it's I, I just love the fact that these guys are so secretive and, and dealing with the shame that they're trying to atone for. And they've been doing that for 10,000 years. But the fact that they would be willing to go so far as to even consider, you know, defending themselves and, and, and attacking uh, other marines it's i think <laughs> defending themselves by firing the first shot right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so yeah, uh, yeah. for you but it's it's I, like you're in on the secret and that feels yeah, exciting. yeah and i think that's what makes it so exciting for a dark angel player is 
any any little story, you know, who can, we can read a million stories where you know a hundred marines charge into a, a thousand orcs and shoot whatever. You know, we 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 get those stories time and time. And don't get me wrong, those are fun stories, right? But there's there's just something about these these stories with marines where it's just like it's just them trying to protect a secret. The fact that they will be in the middle of a war, and if they hear of a hint that there is a fallen somewhere, they pull out and go deal with it. I think I think that's just a really neat thing, uh, like a really neat idea that that this chapter has that other chapters don't really have. Uh, so it's I, I like the idea that there is this this dark secret that they're trying to atone for, and then when you throw Cipher into the mix, it it makes it even more fun, you know, oh, like that's I, a party. I, yeah. I, I, I honestly think like any, anything where, where Cypher is involved, I think is just the coolest, right? Because we, we know that the dark angels are, are good. They're loyal. Uh, and, and they're, they're dealing with their thing, but here they are continuously on the hunt for Cypher, right? He's like, he's like number one, most wanted. And they are, they are gunning for Cypher, Every day, all day, doesn't matter. They're gunning for Cipher. And then every time you read about Cipher, you're like, you're just trying to figure out what his deal is. What's his game? What's he? Yeah, what's, what's he, he up playing to? At? What is it? What is yeah. all this about? And what is yeah, this is about? Good? Like is getting bad? the lion what? sword to the emperor and like. Yeah, like, like that's that's the great mystery, right? Is like uh, is what what happens if he does? What happens if he gets that audience? Uh, you know, is is Cipher going to? Is he the key? to saving the Imperium or destroying the Imperium. And and I honestly hope we never find out because, you know, if we do, then that mystery has gone, you know, and it's yeah, like, it's one of those yeah. things you always, you got to keep them wanting just, to, you know, from something, you know, and I think the, they do a good job with that, with the dark angels is you just, you're, cons- you're constantly getting just a little bit. You feel like you're getting a little bit more of the puzzle, but you're always left wanting more. And that's, I think that's fun is that mystery behind it all. Okay. So would you say then that like Cypher is your favorite character? Who is your favorite dark angels character? And okay. And why can, and I, can why? I consider Cypher a dark angel now? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, it's tough for me. Uh, so uh, let me, so if, if we're going to consider Cypher a dark angels character, yes, he's, he's my favorite because I feel like, I feel like there's, it, you don't know is he is he is he a hero is he a villain is he is he just like what is he what's his what's his mission what's his goal I, I i love that aspect of it um so i think nowadays when i read anything dark angels related i i'm looking for cypher in it i'm th- those are the things i get excited about is when i get to see cypher so i I'd, I'd probably have to say yes however i'm going to have to throw two others out there uh, one being Brother Beether, uh, you know, the bearer of the sacred standard. There's really not a lot okay. about him, but he okay. was the first he was the first special character I ever bought uh, for the Dark Angels. And I just I don't know, like for me, there was something always so cool uh, when I was in the army. One of my favorite things was like learning about the different guide ons and and like the the battalion guide ons and, and the, the the iconography on them and basically just that history uh, that you know that militaries build into their 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 symbols and stuff and so i just love the idea that you know this guy's uh I, I, there was a little blurb in the the second edition codex about how he like fought off all these guys and got the guy the the 
the standard back. And so he, he became the bearer of the sacred standards. He's the, he's the guy who carries the most important relics of the chapter. And so I always loved him. I loved having him on the table. Anytime I could have him on the table, it just felt like more of a, a dark angels game, you know, instead of just playing mo- with models, I always somehow really identified uh, with, with that character. And then the the other one, I would just have to say Belial, because when I was when I was 14 and playing and started playing, you know, Belial was there was a little blurb about Belial in the codex uh, that he was in the third company, you know, and I think he was a sergeant back then. And he, he finally worked his way up to chapter master of the third company. And I painted he was the first he was the first model I ever painted like something freehand on a shoulder pad. And I remember painting a little iron halo because some little thing in there mentioned that he had an iron halo. And so I was trying to figure out what an iron halo was. So I just painted a halo on his shoulder pad and stuff. So it like what was really cool to me about Belial was he grew in the narrative. So as you read, you felt like he kind of grew with you in the hobby because when I started, he was like a sergeant, and then he made master of the third company, and then he finally gets promoted into the Deathwing, right? And so, and I'm a Deathwing fanboy. I love Deathwing Terminators. And so here's the guy, you know, that I learned about, you know, 20 years ago, and now he's got a Deathwing model, and he's he's the master of the Deathwing, and it's like, he made it, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. There was something so cool about that for me. but. um at the so I, I would say at the end of the day, I, it's probably a toss up between Belial or Cipher, but I think Cipher is more fun to read about. Yeah, it certainly has a lot more of that mystery to it, and that that is cool. I actually didn't know that about Belial that in the beginning of the game he started to something different. That's actually really cool. I don't know that there's a whole lot of that out in the rest of Warhammer yeah. at all. Yeah, really. right. I was I was trying to think of somebody. I I, I swear there's been one or two that got promoted. I could have sworn there was a blood angel that kind of got promoted at some point, but, uh, for, for the most part, you just really, you don't see the characters really grow like that. So yeah, it was always, always thought that was really cool that this guy, you know, got promoted up and and then got a model made for him when he, when he made it to the death wing. I, I thought that was a really neat thing that seemed kind of unique to, uh, to the dark angels that I just don't really see somewhere else. Yeah, I think the only the only Blood Angel character story that is out there is the joke about how Captain Tycho ended up being Captain Tycho and how it was a, a battle report where an orc weird boy just blasted this captain. And so they made a character in honor of that battle report where Tycho had a rictus grin stuck on half of his face because he got weird blasted and. That's that that could be what I'm thinking of. Maybe it's you telling me that story because I, I, we have had that conversation before. And maybe that's what I was thinking of, because I, I felt like there was something up with Tycho. But, yeah, I remember you telling me that, golly, years ago or something. It, 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 so that was just like some random GW dudes playing a game or something, right? Yeah, yeah, it was it was just something that happened that they decided to make a model and a story off and then they killed him off. But he's still in the codex. So I know is he really dead. I don't <laughs> that's, know. That's the that's the annoying thing is, doesn't he have like two rules or something in the current codex? I feel yeah, like yeah like... he's he's got uh, he's got his regular Captain Tycho and then he's got death his company. death company. You know, Tycho the Lost is what they call him. And he's dead. 
and he's super dead. I actually really like Tycho's character, the way he's represented in the fiction. And that's that's a bit of a tangent, but I do really think it's cool that you were able to kind of grow up, so to speak, with that Dark Angels character. And yeah, I, I've, I've still got the model somewhere because I remember painting. Uh, he, had, he, he had the shoulder pad with a little like scroll on it and I painted Bilal on it. And so I remember I remember when he got promoted, you know, when it was like, oh, he's, well, he's in the death company now. I was like, well, what do I do with this guy? So, uh, yeah, I just remember I, I remember being so proud when that model would survive a game or something, you know, so it's he, he's just oh, yeah. one that I've always like connected with uh, in my games. That's very cool. That's very cool. I like that. Well, tell me, Ricky, then, you know, being super engaged in like the game level where you have like your individual models that you're rooting for. And I, I know exactly what that's like. Do you ever like think of a piece of Dark Angels art and it's like, oh, I want this on my wall or this really this epitomizes Dark Angels to me. Like, what is that for you? I think. I, oh, man. OK, so there's. There's a couple, okay? I, I, you know, I, I probably should just be like, yes, this one, right? But first off, let's just say anything with the rock in it, and not Dwayne Johnson. Although I would, <laughs> I would go that route too. But the rock, like the, I think the rock is the coolest thing ever. Like you know, screw, screw McCrag, screw like uh, uh, whatever the the Imperial Fist big ship is. The phalanx. Yeah, our, our fortress monastery is you know, just held together by shield generators and stuff. And it's the leftover husk of our home world. You know, it's like, that is sick. <laughs> so, uh, I love any time you get pictures of the rock itself and like it, you know, this, this giant fortress with, uh, just the remnants of, of Caliban around it floating through space. So anytime I get to see that, I'm super pumped. Uh, let's see here. I would have to say, let's just go ahead and get it out of the way. You know that one picture of Cypher where he's got his two pistols crossed over his chest and oh, he's yeah. just got the robes? That, that, just all day. Uh, that's probably one of my favorites. Uh, and then I'm going to go with my all-time favorite piece of Dark Angels artwork from the second edition, Angels of Death Codex, when it's it's Azrael with his sword over his hand, or over his head. And it's got the watcher in the dark holding the the helm, like yeah, standing in front of him. That's pretty That's pretty iconic. Yeah, it's it's so iconic, right? It, it's just that's that's the picture. When 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 I saw that picture, I, like as a kid, I was like, that is amazing. And then you you see that there's a model. You know, oh my gosh, there's a model with that. What you know? And I just I remember, I remember getting the Azrael model, and just when I had the watcher in the dark with it, and I just. That was to me so fun was this watcher in the dark carrying that helmet around on the table. So that that piece of artwork is probably one of the to me, anytime I think about Dark Angels, it's again, it's not it's never any of these big giant battle scenes or, you know, like anything like that. It's it's usually these that are showcasing a specific character that really just uh, do it for me. And I think that one is probably my favorite of all is that, and it's just, it's just done in, I think, I think pencil, you know, it's not colored at all, but that one of Azrael with the, uh, the watcher in the dark, that's, that's your go-to right there. I think one of the things about that image in particular that makes it stand out is how it 
captures every bit of the key fundamentals of the design of Dark Angels and their units. So you've got the Watcher heavily yep. robed. You've got the winged helmets, and that's been repeated all over. That's informed so much of the range's design. You have yep. the, the the sort of tabard robe that's on Asriel, and it's got that sort of knightly feel to it, which yeah. is such a key component of how we imagine Dark Angels and how we visualize Dark Angels models on the table. So yeah. And that... And there's there's mystery to it in that picture because it's like we we know that dark angels are dark we know, we know well even dark angels yes but like the the imperium is insanely xenophobic so there's automatically as soon as you see that picture knowing nothing about the dark angels you, you there's a mystery there it's like what is that little dude holding holding that helmet you know why is he carrying that helmet for him? and so you know there, there's that whole mystery of what are the watchers in the dark you know so it's it's just one more piece of the puzzle, right? And it's so just that picture alone just kind of clues you into that. Yeah, who they are, what what they're about, and it leaves you with questions. Yeah, I mean, anytime you cover up somebody's face, right? Every time you yeah. can't really <laughs> just get... don't show the face. Yeah, yeah. people are going to ask questions. That's mystery, and I I can definitely tell that the mystery is the biggest thing that appeals to you about it. But with with that being the thing that you like the most, let's flip that around. So what is like the most toxic relationship feature? And I asked this to my buddy, Ben. It's one of those things where this could be a gaming thing. This could be a lore thing. This could be a theme. This could be whatever. But it's that thing that, you know, I, I love you, but I'm, I'm, and, I, and I'm not going to leave you, but I hate that you do this. Like, what is that? <laughs> what is that for you in the Dark Angel? Other people. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a, how very much a lion response to that question <laughs> <laughs> it is right you all are the problem it's not me uh that's probably the most dark angels thing i've ever said uh, what, so there's two things two things from uh, I, I do have one from a, a like a gameplay standpoint but th i think the that joke of oh oh ricky you're playing chaos again it's like <laughs> please god shut up you know it's like i don't know how many times i've told someone to just go die you know because it's <laughs> Every time you pull Dark Angels out, they're like, oh, you're playing Chaos still? Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I get it. That that joke. Guys, as a community, let's let that joke die. It's it's played out. I've heard it enough. We actually <laughs> gave that a moment of silence in the other segment. You weren't here for that. But yeah, yeah we're like, all right, everybody get it out of your system. We're going to have a moment of silence. All right, let's pretend it all happened and move on. Yeah. So that 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 right there is probably the most toxic thing about being a Dark Angels player. But now let's let's talk about the one thing in Dark Angels that has hurt me more than anything else, and that's Deathwing Terminators. Um, because, uh, I love Deathwing Terminators. Uh, there, to me, there was just that was the coolest thing ever that I could have an entire army uh, of Deathwing Terminators, and they they could teleport down onto the table anywhere. There was the, the whole idea of these dudes in this like, you know, impenetrable armor, uh, you know, in the narrative, you know, the way they play in the narrative, like, or the way they fight in the narrative is, is like, they're unstoppable, you know, just this, this force moving through and they're, they're going to kill everything. Uh, and then you put some on the table and that's not how it goes ever, ever. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> they are but, pretty tanky and, right now, but I, I feel are, that, right? I feel that pain. Yeah, like, Every, yeah, so everybody who knows Terminators from the days where they had one wound in a two-up save 
And it's like, yeah. all right, I got to make one two-up save. And you roll a one. And just like, yeah. all right. And you didn't have points. command points back then either. That was the, yeah. the worst part. But it's they have made me so happy the few times that I've won with Terminators. And they have consistently uh, let me down. And it's it's just rolling ones, you know, that and it, it's just you, you don't know that pain until you're fielding an army of, of 20 models and, you know, <laughs> you lose three of them in one turn of shooting. You know, it's um, so I, I think I think Deathwing Terminators have always been probably the most toxic relationship that I've had with Dark Angels. Uh, now, I know people who probably haven't been playing, you know, if, if you're listening to this and haven't played them before. Uh, you probably will think I'm, you know, talking out my butt because right now they are stupid fun, right? Like, right, like Games Workshop, thank you so much. I will, I will buy you all the beer possible the next time I find whoever come up with the rules for Deathwing Terminators now because they are thematic, they're, they're tough, you know, they, they, they're fun. Uh, right now I've, I've been having the most fun I've ever had just moving terminators around on the table so they're they're in a super good place right now but for you know 20 years they have probably been the most toxic thing i've had to deal with (laughs) on the tabletop when it comes to dark angels i think that's a very good answer and a very relatable thing for anybody who's really like to put their heart and soul into a particular unit or theme like i've I've done that a billion times with mephiston i've done that a billion times with like death company and sanguinary guard was like oh i love them but i hate them yeah and you're like i put three colors on your eye lenses you can't die <laughs> to a, a what this is this Who's is betrayed me it's, it's like it's always the models that you don't really paint like super great that just hold their you know and it's like crap i gotta take this one away you know it's it's, it's a really bad takeaway <laughs> yeah yeah awesome cool well, I think that's, I mean, that's a great summary of that particular question. I'm, I, that's my favorite question that I, you know, as I've been doing these interviews and as I've been preparing for why I loves for all of these different factions is ah, what is, what is the juiciest question? It's, it's gotta be the toxic relationship one. And it is. that's yeah, a very, it's, like it's, it's very good. Yeah. Cause very everybody good has that. Yeah. Every, everybody yeah. has that. It's like the, it's like the, the girlfriend who slaps you around, but you can't, you just can't get rid of her. You know, it's like, it's this super toxic relationship that you're in. Just, you know, she goes out and cheats on you, but you keep taking her back. That's my, that's my death wing. They cheat on me all the time and I keep taking them back. Oof. That's rough. <laughs> so, somebody out there is just like, staring into the middle distance after hearing that it's like ooh. <laughs> somebody, somebody had to crack one open there yeah. <laughs> too real so speaking of you know games and, and failure and things tell me about your most memorable game with your dark angels tell me when you felt the most like you were playing into that fantasy gosh i think it's uh i, I probably couldn't pinpoint one exact game but chris i think the best time you'll have playing dark angels is when you manage to get a little bit of all of it on the table. Because the Dark Angels are really neat in that, you know, you can have just a regular Marine army. You can have the Deathwing army, or you can have the Ravenwing army. You know, you can have all of that, or you have all of it. And those are the best games, I think, when you have, when you had those, like, you remember back when, like, Ravenwing, uh, you could teleport, the, yeah. you could teleport your your Deathwing in next to the Ravenwing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the, those are the games that are so cool when you 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 moved your bikes up, your terminators dropped in and and then you got your 
your regular guys moving up onto objectives and supporting those units. I think those were the the games where you were just all in because you had you had your Raven Wing just zooming across the battlefield. You had your Death Wing dropping in on these hard targets that they had to to you know take or these like key objectives, and then you had your regular rank and file moving around the battlefield. And I, I think games like that was where you're like, okay, this this is the Dark Angels, right? So anytime you can pull off a win while having that that real narrative army all working together, I think that those were those were always the most rewarding games for me, being able to to do all of that and and still somehow have a halfway competitive army when you're putting bikes, terminators and and power armor on the table. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because one of the, the key features of this army in particular is that you have sort of this this Deathwing, Ravenwing philosophy. And that got that got really built out and expanded in 30K. I don't know if you ever picked up that book, but the the fact that there's like the Dreadwing and like all of these other basically combat philosophies wrapped up in its yeah. companies and how that translated over, you know, 10,000 years into the modern 40K being able to live in that fantasy. Like I do the same thing with like my, my angels tears in 30 K where if I'm thinking about bringing my angels tears, I usually, I'm in a, I'm in a very dark mood because it's like, these are, <laughs> these are the final sanction. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. All right. Uh, whoever I'm playing, I'm sorry, but I, I just feel the need to completely annihilate everything down to the molecular level. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. So, hey, I'm working through some stuff. Uh, yeah. Just let this happen. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, no, that's cool. So, finally, from your own collection, right? And mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, you send me some pictures before I publish so I can put these up on the video. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. But oh, what okay, is... Yeah. I guess I got homework. Okay. Yep, yep. What is the the model or the unit that's in your collection that you are the most, like, proud of, the most, like, excited to put on the table, the one that you're happy to get out of the box every time? Like what is what is your favorite? Man, I mean that one's tough. Um, so I've, you know what? Just because I burnt myself on it, I'm going to have to say uh, my dark talon is up there because okay, I I that I I knew nothing about electronics, and I had to learn all this stuff because you know uh, like there's there's like there's a bunch of different. You know, people that you could just buy LED kits now, but uh, oh, you went you went crazy on it then. Yeah, I, I didn't really have that as an option back then, so I had to learn how to like you know put the resistors in and stuff and here and there and like all. So I'm doing all this stuff to to put some uh, LEDs in my dark talent, but my dark talent has all the thrusters have these flickering LEDs in it. I got the cockpit lit up, and I I worked really hard. I, I built. I, I spent hours learning how to wire up a capacitor to make this uh to make the 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 rift cannon to make it like uh go from dim to real bright and then like it's discharging. Oh man. Oh, I did all this stuff, which now I think we can just get a chip and and program it electronically. But so I did all this stuff and, and put in there and uh I it it was it was Super fun, super challenging. I learned, I learned stuff, and I, you know, uh, I, I really pushed myself on that model. So I, I'm always in love with any chance I get to put that on the table. 
Uh, and then I think probably my, my favorite dude to have on the table right now has got to be, I'm I would have to say my, uh, my Primaris Azrael because I've been running pretty much Primaris units exclusively uh-huh. uh, lately, but you know, I wanted Azrael leading them and games workshop guys, give us a Primaris Azrael. They're not listening. They better listen. But uh, I'm going to say it anytime I can. So uh, I, I would say my favorite thing I've worked on right now, or I would say probably my favorite model to get on the table is my Azrael in Gravis armor. And so he's 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 probably my favorite just because I had to go in and not had to, got to, you know, like I got him the, the winged helmet on there and I got, you know, a cool sword, you know, a Dark Angels looking sword and. I converted it up so that his bolt storm gauntlet has the plasma pistol built into the gauntlet as well. Yeah, gotcha. so, you know, doing yeah. all these things. So it's like, okay, if Azrael did, if Azrael did uh, cross the Rubicon Primaris and become a Primaris Marine, what would he, what would he look like, right? What would he take with him? And so I was like, well, you know, it, you know, it, his weapon, his gun is so iconic with the, you know, the combi plasma. So I had to I had to incorporate that in there and everything. So uh, that that's probably my th- those are probably my two favorite. And it really just it really just comes down to the fact that you know it's the the ones you convert up. Those are the ones you you spent more time on, right? The, and those are the ones you just you get excited to show off and brag, you know that hey look look what I did. So I, I would say those two are are definitely my favorites to get on the table. All right, yeah, definitely gonna demand pictures for that. Uh, I I want to show those to everybody that I I don't think I've seen that dark talon. Granted, it's not like we're down the street and I can be like, hey, let me come over and and yeah, I don't know if I've ever. Maybe I took him to Adepticon one year, but I'm thinking the last time I took Dark Angels, I think the last time I went to Adepticon, we took uh, just tons of Ravenwing. That was yeah, that's been a while. So yeah, I I don't know. Maybe 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 you have seen it, but I I can't think of when I've. Because I feel like if if I saw you and I had that model, I would have had it up in your face. Like Chris, Chris, look at it, look at it, look at it. I feel yeah. like we would have had that. I probably would have been that, drunk. That would have been too, so. uh, Yeah, I would have remembered that <laughs> very specifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. And Ricky, thank you so much for taking the time to share your passion here with all things Dark Angels. You've got this very raw enthusiasm for the things you like in the hobby, and I. Really enjoy sharing that with everybody who cares to listen. You know, all five of the people listening to the show. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, maybe it's six. Maybe this will get us up to six. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. It's uh, like when who doesn't want to talk about the things they're passionate about, right? So, like, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's it's fun to kind of to talk nerd stuff for a while. It's it's been so hectic around here with work and stuff. I haven't I haven't even really gotten to give much thought to uh, to forty k lately. So this was a lot of fun. Thanks again for your time, and I will I'll ping you when this is up, and hopefully yeah. we have those pictures so that I can get that visual off to everybody to caress their eyeballs and and <laughs> enjoy the glory that is that is that that army you've got there. Yeah, I'll have to go see if I can't do a do a photo session with my models uh, right after this. Fantastic! Well, awesome. I hope that we get this opportunity again sometime soon, and even better that we get a chance at an event sometime to roll dice or hang out and, and do all that stuff because it's, it's just a ton of fun. Thanks again, Ricky. Yeah. And uh, look forward to the next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Chris. 
With all of that done, we now wrap up another episode, episode five of the Chief Librarian Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. I was very happy to have both Ben and Ricky on to describe why they love the Dark Angels. And hopefully some of their passion for them infected you just a little bit. Now, I am very excited to talk about what we will be doing for the next episode of the Chief Librarian And it's going to be a special Horus Heresy slash 30k themed episode. Thanks to the generosity of a friend of mine, I was able to get my hands on a copy of the limited edition Warhawk novel, which is book six of the Siege of Terra series, featuring Jagatai Khan of the White Scars and his famous duel with Mortarion of the Death Guard. It is also where we get to see Unleashed, the first Black Templar. That's right. Sigismund is unleashed after being given the Black Blade, and he gets to have a rematch with his old friend, Karn the Betrayer. So we will be doing a deep review of that book. If you haven't read it, that's probably not going to be for you, though I do recommend picking up the ebook version or the audiobook version and listening to it at work. That's how I got through it. Additionally, there is a local 30k campaign that's going to be starting in the next couple of weeks, and I'm hoping to get some good pictures and get an idea of how that's going to go, probably get a game in as well. And we'll talk about some of the differences between the Horus Heresy rule set, which people often just call 7th edition, and the current 9th edition rules of Warhammer 40k. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the differences between the two, some of the different ideas people have between the two, and some of the pitfalls of each rule set. Now for those of you who aren't aware, the Horus Heresy is probably my favorite setting in all of the Warhammer universe. And there's something about it that just connects with me a lot better than the existential crisis against Xenos and Chaos, because it's a very human versus human story. So expect some juicy Horus Heresy content coming up with the next episode. If you liked the Why I Love content, feel free to let me know. I would actually be very interested in hearing which faction you would like me to get a Why I Love episode out about next is to go to facebook.com slash brothercaptainmorgan or to leave a comment on the YouTube video. So if you have a story, a book, or a theme in Warhammer 40k that you would like me to take a crack at or talk about, that's the best way to let me know. A big thank you to everyone who's been listening so far. The show's quickly becoming more and more popular, taking off a little bit faster than I was expecting, and that makes me very happy. It's very rewarding to feel that the work I'm putting into this is resonating with people. So thank you very much for listening so far. There's a lot more content in the pipeline, such as painting discussions, hopefully some author interviews, some more Why I Loves, more book reviews, and of course the kickoff for the Diet and War campaign. We have our very first game day set for October 30th, where we will be doing the introductory episode, the introductory battle, to get everything all kicked off and going. I'll get some good pictures of that. We'll be talking about that in the episode after the next one, so probably episode 7. I'm very excited to see where this crusade campaign goes, and I really want to try and get as much into that crusade as I can before... We have anything weird like an addition change or something that just completely shakes up how we're expected to do stuff. It was already hard enough to switch to the new kill team. I was able to get my hands on a couple of the the new books and I'm still not confident in my ability to play it yet. But, you know, at least I have a big collection of models to choose from and don't have to 
really go too far out of my way. So, with all of that in mind, I hope to see you again next time in the Librarius. Hey, you. Yes, you. Right there. You are listening to the Frontline Gaming Network. So what does that mean? That means that you have access to a bunch of different and interesting shows. Right now, I'm listening to a lot of Signals from the Frontline because who has time nowadays to follow on your own and get all of the latest news in the gaming hobby? It is streamed every Wednesday, and I never catch it for the stream, but I do catch it later. I especially enjoy Kicker's commentary. He is 40k Hype Man USA, and I challenge anyone, I dare you, to try and prove me wrong or to upstage the hype that is Kicker Kalazdi. So, with my recommendation in hand, go and listen to Signals from the Frontline on the Frontline Gaming Network. I am Chris Morgan, and you are listening to a Creative Commons licensed podcast, Some Rights Reserved.